0: Okay, and welcome to another episode of the Watermark Equipping Podcast, a monthly conversation about faith seeking understanding from Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. I'm Caitlin Van Wagner, one of your hosts. This is my co-host, Oren Martin. our the Senior Director of Equipping at Watermark, and we're joined today again by John Elmore, one of our teaching pastors here at Watermark. Hey, John.
1: C.V., Oren, good to we're be with you guys again. You. You what a gift. Glad to be here. So glad. Awesome.
0: You're back. All right, so today um, we are talking about Jesus, but we actually struggled with the title, how to title this one. Oren, why don't you tell us a little bit about that and what we're talking about today specifically
2: yeah so it was a struggle because when you think about jesus christ or who is jesus christ it's actually a very loaded term because jesus christ you know signifies uh, the god man right which which tells us that he's more than jesus christ right in other words this was god the son from eternity past so in other words the beginning of jesus christ wasn't the beginning of god the son which is kind of say that one more time The beginning of Jesus Christ.
0: Okay. Beginning of Jesus Christ
1: was not the beginning of God the Son.
0: Was not. And some people
1: mentally just threw a heresy flag. So you're gonna have to explain. They're (laughs) gonna be like, wait. Okay. No, you're saying he had a beginning, which is Arianism. Like. Yeah.
2: So Jesus Christ had a beginning. God the Son did not have a beginning. Okay. Yes. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of like John one. Then the Word became flesh.
0: And the Word became flesh. All right. I think we've got. A lot. We're going to get into all of that today. Yeah. All right, so let's get started. So let's, instead of getting right to who is Jesus Christ, let's start further back. Yeah. Um, which might be a heresy because I think he exists outside of time, but here we are. Um, who is God the Son?
2: <laughs> yeah, who is God the Son? Well, as we just said, you know, John talks about it in John chapter 1, not John Elmore. Uh, John chapter 1 says, and the Word became flesh. Right. So, you know, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. There's distinction, right? God the Father, God the Son. Mm. And the Word was God, mm. right? There's identity. Mm-hmm. So, the Son's not less than God. The Son is fully God, mm-hmm. right? Co-equal, eternal, all, all the things, right, that God is, God the Son is. And so, when we think about who who He is, right, we, we, we think about this. There's a fancy term called the incarnation. Mm-hmm. Uh just means that the, the, uh, that the Son, the eternal Son, became became flesh. Right? He was in fleshed At that moment. At that moment. Mm-hmm. So, there was a moment. This is a, amazing. And it's, there's even We're grasping at language because it's so beyond our comprehension. Mm-hmm. So, if it sounds like I'm grasping at language, it's because I'm trying to <laughs> do justice to what happened to the incarnation. <laughs> that there was a time when God the Son, the eternal Son, assumed or took to Himself our humanity. In other words, he took to himself a, a human nature, that is a body and a soul, and forever will be united with, with that, with that body and soul. So he is, he's a human forever.
0: Okay. From that point on.
2: From that point on. But
0: eternally, he is God the Son. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. And he so,
2: always was, he is, and he always will be God the Son. He always sun. will be. Yes.
0: Um all right. So I think we're going to get to the incarnation yep. in a bit, that specific moment. Yep. So but before we get there, where did God the Son come from then?
2: Yeah, where did God the Son come from is a funny funny thing because he came from the Father. Mm-hmm.
0: Right? But
2: but not in time. Right? He is eternally from the Father. Okay. So so we can't think so so even, you know, scripture is uh god speaks to us in in ways that we understand as humans right so we understand for example that me as a father uh, i i precede in time my son right i was born before Mm -hmm. him in 1975 my son was born in 2008 that's that's not like god the father and god the son right though the son is from the father he's eternally so so there's a word for that, and if you want to get really nerdy, it's called the uh, the eternal begottenness of the Son. Okay. That's who his, his personal property is. He's eternally begotten. That,
1: okay. that he's
2: it just simply means he's from the Father. Right? And there was
1: never a time that he did not exist. Yeah, and
2: this isn't just like you know theological abstraction for the sake of just nerding out. It's it's really John three sixteen, right? That God so loved the world that he gave that he sent uh-huh. his only begotten Son. Right. So there's actually the word his his begotten Son. Mm-hmm. So that right, whoever believes in Him may not perish but have eternal life. Mm-hmm. Right. So they really just kind of turned that uh, his his only begotten Son. They turned that into describing who He is. Right? Mm-hmm. He's from the Father.
0: So God the Son came from God the Father. Yep. Eternally. Eternally. He never did not exist with God. Is that right? That is right. That's wild. Wild. Yeah, I get it, but I also don't.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I also get it. And that's again, we've we've done a couple of these episodes now, like on the Trinity. It's a common theme. On the Holy theme. Spirit, it's a common theme Kate, because like, we're talking about God. Yes. Yes.
0: Who is infinite. Yes. And we're finite.
2: Yeah, and so, you know we think about you know, Exodus 15 after God delivered His people from the hand of the Egyptians, and they they start singing that song. Right of, of he triumphed over the horse and the chariots and the riders, and he cast them into the sea and delivered his people from the hands of the Egyptians. And then they turned that question based on who uh, what God had done for them in the Exodus. They, they turned the question in verse 11, they say, who is like the Lord? Hmm. And their answer is, he's not like other gods. Mm-hmm. He's majestic in holiness. He's awesome in glorious deeds. So even then, right, even singing the song, they're like, if this is the things that he can do, yeah. who must he be? Yes. And what do they do? They worship
0: him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So God the Son is from God the Father eternally. Yes. All right. So let's go to the moment of the incarnation. Yes. What happened at the moment of the incarnation, AKA Christmas? We love Christmas. Yeah. When Christ was born in this world, what happened to the Incarnation.
2: Yes. Wow. There have been volumes and volumes and volumes of it seems books. seems
0: like a simple question.
2: <laughs> it seems like a simple question. And in one sense, it is. We can say simply that, that the Word became flesh. But when you start unpacking what that means, you think, who, who is this Word? Well, John goes on to, to clarify that this Word is God the Son. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from all the, the, you know, I came to do this, I came to do that, the Father sent me to do this. Mm-hmm. That, that, that means that there was a time prior to his coming to be a man, which which there's people call pre-existence, right? The pre-existence of the Son. So, the Son, the eternal Son, the eternal Word, pre-existed the time when he took on flesh and became Jesus Christ. Yet, in that moment, he did not cease to be the Son, so, one of the early church fathers, I think it was Gregory of Nazianzus, says uh, that he became what he was not while remaining what he had always been. Mm-hmm. In other words, the son, the eternal son, the eternal word, became what he was not. Namely, mm-hmm. a man, a human, right? uh-huh. taking upon a body and a soul. Yet, at the same time, right, that he became what he was not, he remained what he had always been. He did not give up his deity. Mm-hmm. So, that's— that's a, a a profound I mean think about baby Jesus right as as a dependent, frail, finite creature who's dependent on his mother for care, who needs sleep at that same moment he is the son who upholds the universe by the word of his power
0: who had always existed who had
2: always mm. existed right so you could even say this that the one who came from his mother in time preceded his mother in time, as the eternal son, mm-hmm. the, the, he, that actually the one who made Mary chose, determined, to be born of Mary. Mm-hmm.
0: That's so neat. That
1: Which is kind of, cool. of what Jesus said when it was like, you know, they're like, Abraham, Isaac, before yeah. I was, yeah. I am.
2: Before Abraham was, I
1: am. Yeah. Okay. And they're like, pick up stones. They're like, yeah. you can't say that right. because they why. knew he was saying, I'm God. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you existed before Abraham, what are you talking about? Yeah. And why you said at the beginning. There was a time when he was not; he was son, and yet not named Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, 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 it's a good exercise named.
2: in just biblical language, right? So, you know, I mentioned in John three sixteen that you know that uh, the Father sent His His only begotten Son. That's just that's just a word mm-hmm. uh, in Greek that's translated "begotten,", begotten right? Okay. It's in many of our translations, and and it's it's again God speaks to us in ways we understand. I understand what it means to beget my son, mm-hmm. Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, because he's like me, right? He's younger than me. He's but when we talk about when we talk about God, we have to define it in terms of who God is, right? So as the as the begotten Son from the Father, we understand that's an eternal relationship. Mm-hmm. So for the Son to be like the Father isn't oh he's just he's just like fifty percent God. No, he's. E- eternally right he's eternal he he's fully god he's is a distinct person yet he's equal with the father mm-hmm. right so there there's there's ways that there's that that that's like us and there's ways that that's not like us mm-hmm. but god spoke to us in ways that we can understand what that relationship is
0: okay so when it says he's his only begotten son that's not necessarily referring to the moment he became a man. That's right. That's an eternal relationship. That's right. So
2: you can say it this way, that the one who was who was uh, sent in time
0: mm-hmm.
2: is the one who's eternally from the Father in eternity past. Okay. And so, you know, these are important things. You know, it makes me think of, uh, I wrote it down, they're, they're uh, you know, for the first five centuries of the church, you really can't understand what was going on apart from understanding this one question. Who is Jesus Christ in relation to God? Because for five centuries, there had been faithful Christians who, who worshiped him, right? And the long line, going back to the apostles, right? When Thomas confesses, my Lord and my God, when he touches his hands and, and, and his side. Um, we think about, you know, John as he's receiving a revelation from the angel and he begins to worship him. He's like, no, 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 right? Don't worship an angel. Only only Christ is worthy of worship, which we see in Revelation chapter 5. And and so, in response to this question, who is Jesus Christ, the church really kind of had to hash out in the face of heresies, you know, they were maybe denying Jesus deity or, or other her, I mean, heresies we'll talk about here uh, later on in the show. But they really kind of had to, like, draw the line in the sand and say, this is who Jesus is, and this is who Jesus is not, so that we can rightly worship him and so that we can rightly uh, be witnesses for him as we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and people can be saved. So, I'm going to read it, follow along with me. It said following the the early fathers uh, so we talked about nice the Council of Nicaea in 325 on the Trinity they said with all with one accord right so the whole church teach to acknowledge the Son the Lord Jesus Christ who is fully God and fully man right equal with God in regards to his deity but also equal with man in regards to his humanity and they say he has a, a soul and the body he is one with the father right so equal with the father but also like us except for sin. So, he was like us in every way, which Hebrews 2 says, uh, Hebrews 4 says, yet without sin. And and this is really important. He was begotten of the Father before the ages. So, we just talked about that. He's eternally from the Father because he's equal to the Father. Yet, with regard to his humanity, he he became man for us and for our salvation. That's a a beautiful phrase. He became man for us and for our salvation. Mm. He was born of Mary. Mary. He is one and the same Christ, the Lord, and this is really important. He was recognized in two natures. So, he's God, his divine nature, and he's man, his human nature, recognized in two natures without confusion, without change, without division, and without separation. Those four words will guard against every heresy of Jesus, without confusion, without change, without division, Without separation, the distinction of natures being in no way nullified by the union, but rather the characteristics of each nature being preserved and coming together in the one person of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he kind of goes on. This is an amazing statement because this one church historian said everything else regarding who Jesus is and confessing rightly who Jesus is, every other. Uh, Christological controversy, heresy, is everything else is just a footnote to this creed in okay. 451, which um, is an amazing and which statement. which
0: creed is that called? What's it called?
2: Uh, the Creed the, of Chalcedon.
0: Okay. Right. And we'll put it in the show notes, the full thing in the show notes. Yep. Okay, great. How else should we think about what happened? How else would you describe what happened at the Incarnation, John?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say maybe not what else, but to put a term to some of that, okay. what they say from Chalcedon is— the hypostatic union, Mm -hmm. and so that's the fully God, fully man, which is so critical as you compare like—so other religions acknowledge Jesus, you know, they they, because how could you not? I mean, I think Satan is looking around at the world like, okay, there's only one person who raised from the dead. He performed miracles. He has these incredible words of truth. He spoke to his exclusivity. He claimed to be God. No other prophet did. Uh, So we got to at least acknowledge him and they diminish his deity or not diminish it they they negate it mm-hmm. say so, well he's just a man and so you have fully man fully god he has to be fully god to satisfy the justice and wrath of God that was poured out on him. He has to be fully God to be the sinless, substitutionary sacrifice. As John the Baptist says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Well, no man could do that. Mm-hmm. You could exchange, like, like I can't die for another person and say like, well, orange sinned really bad. Well, let me die for you. Mm-hmm. Cause God would be like, well, what are we gonna do with your sin? <laughs> and so on and so on and so on. There had to be the perfect one. Only God is morally perfect, righteous, holy and true and then fully man to be that substitutionary sacrifice. He had to take on flesh to come and die in our place. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, when Christ came into the world, so there you even have the eternal pre-existence. When Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I have come to take on flesh that the sins of the world would be laid upon me and then conquer death. You can't, conquer death except by taking on flesh, dying, mm-hmm. and being raised from the dead, which also speaks to his deity. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's so much. So, you think about like John 1. There's a lot of ones. John 1, Colossians 1, Hebrews 1, yeah. Revelation 1. You take those ones and you you get this incredible picture of Jesus fully man, fully God um, as the exact imprint an image of the invisible God. So what
2: you're saying is if you take the ones, it'll give you a good picture of the one.
1: Oh, wow. snap. Okay. You heard it here, folks. Okay. Did you get that? That's a close. That's a wrap. <laughs> we're, we're good here. All right.
0: So what I'm hearing from both of y'all is at the moment of our incarnation, God the Son, who eternally existed, yeah. took on flesh to become Jesus Christ. Yes. He did that to save us and for us. And he, at that moment, though, he did not give up his deity. He was fully God and fully man. And I love the four things you said. He was able to be um, fully God and fully man without contradiction, confusion, division, or separation. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the awe and wonder of who Christ is. Yes. Mm -hmm. Is that a way to sum it all up?
2: Yes. And I love how you said awe and wonder. I mean— Because that should make us— yeah. be in all okay. one Again,
0: I get it, but I also don't, and that's great. <laughs> it's great. Um, all right. Okay, so let's move on to what are some common misconceptions about Christ, because you said that those four things will help guard against yeah. common misconceptions yeah. or heresies around Christ. So let's talk about what some of those are. So, so John, do you want to talk about um, what are some common misconceptions, the first one?
1: Yeah, so there's a common misconception that God the Son is subordinate to God the Father. Okay. Which would, would put it in this weird less than structure category, mm-hmm. uh, which would deny really the Trinitarian belief that God is one, eternally exists in three persons. And so you've got to be careful around that language mm-hmm. as well.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Thoughts on that, Orange? Yeah, that's spoke great. To it a little earlier.
2: Yeah, I think with subordinationism, you know, it just means maybe that Jesus is less than God, mm-hmm. right? Maybe he's, maybe he's more. Kind of along the spectrum than us. Yeah. But but he's still maybe he's fifty percent God. Maybe he's ninety percent God. Uh-huh. And so that was really, you know, to to say no, he is he is fully and eternally God. And and maybe a little bit farther from that is just the outright denial that he's God at all. Mm-hmm. Right. So not just that he's less than God, but just he's not God. And so you know Arius was a one of the early church uh uh, you know, actually, he was kind of like a pastor in the early church, uh, mm-hmm. but he got this severely wrong. And Arius said his famous statement: "There was a time when the sun was not." Oops. In other words, oops, yeah. In other words, right? The sun was created in time, and the church was like, nope. Based on Scripture, right? Mm-hmm. The sun is eternal. And the Son is fully God. And, you know, th- this has kind of come into, you know, be a little bit more popular in the past couple of centuries. This is really just theological liberalism mm-hmm. uh, in the past three or four centuries. Uh, you know, which, which is—it's interesting that in the early church, the heresy wasn't that Jesus was fully God. The heresy was that Jesus uh, was a man. So, you think about First John when he says, anyone who denies that Jesus has come in the flesh, mm-hmm. he's the Antichrist. Right, So, it was really—they they kind of they confessed that he was God, but it, really the problem was that God couldn't become man. Right? Oh, wow. Whereas here, it's the opposite. Yeah. They just believe that Jesus was only a man, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe he's just a, a good prophet or a good teacher or a
1: moral guy, and we mm-hmm. should follow his example. No, it's—no, he's hes fully God. Okay. And I think this is important, too, for our listeners and viewers as they're interacting with culture is Mormonism is mm-hmm. the most recent expression of a 2,000-year-old heresy of Arianism. Yeah. And so you'll have a Mormon come to your door and you should love them, engage with them, share the gospel with them. But here's what will happen is you'll say, well, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And they'll be like, I do too. You can ask them, uh, or what they believe rather, is that there was a time that Jesus did not exist. Mm -hmm. God the Son did not exist. They believe that he is created and is not God in flesh. That he has not always been God. And so that's where. So, why is some that, that problematic? It that really matter. Or people will say, I've got like new age friends, and they'll be like, oh, we, I believe that Jim, Jesus was an emanation from God. He was an avatar. There was this special outpouring of, of deity, demigod, upon this man that walked the earth. That's why he could do miracles. That's why he had these profound sayings. And it's like, you know, like Lewis said, well, he's either liar, liar lunatic, or lord. Mm-hmm. Like, pick one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why is it problematic to think? That Jesus was subordinate to God. What is the natural outcropping of that? What does that lead to?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Well, if he was, if he's less than God, then he, then he can't atone for sin. Okay. Only God can atone for sin. So, you know, you're seeing kind of the fabric of of the personal work of Christ here. This is really kind of the logic of the early church. To, to you know, again, they they weren't you know engaged in kind of theological arguments because they were bored right? They, they wanted to, to to testify to. They wanted to witness to Jesus. And so, they asked questions like, well, if, if Jesus wasn't fully God, then we are still in our sins. And the glorious fact is, Jesus was fully God. He is fully God. And therefore, that's what qualifies him to atone for our sin. Mm-hmm. Because only, only an infinite God could atone for the problem of it, the infinite sin right that we've sinned against an infinite god and he came the infinite one came to pay that penalty for us okay
1: and you start to like pull that thread at mm-hmm. all and all of scripture is just going to unravel like yeah. you can't you can't diminish the godhood of the son mm-hmm. and still hold to his creative work his salvific work his second coming mm-hmm. it's just like it it'll completely unravel
0: okay yeah. john what are some other misconceptions about christ
1: Good question. So, I think um, there's one that I think is super common, even within the church. It's, it's a heresy that exists, and, and it's called modalism. So, think about the different modes that something can operate in, like, well, it doesn't matter alike. And what it sounds like is that in the Old Testament, we had God the Father. In the New Testament, we had God the Son. And in the church age, we have God the Spirit. And God was morphing or different okay. mo- taking on a different mode in order to suit the occasion. Mm-hmm. And this, you'll hear it even in, uh, as people are praying. Um, sometimes you might see it in in songs, but it's it's something that's crept in because it doesn't sound uh, like super out there at first glance, like, oh yeah, then He took on flesh, He being the one of the Old Testaments. Like, no, we have one God, mm-hmm. three persons who are distinct, unified, and equality and that's a it's something that i think if if you begin to listen in conversations people can more. people can uh miss on that okay. and it's not any kind of like aha gotcha thing it's just an opportunity mm-hmm. to to further clarify as we care for each other and pastor each other yeah i think yeah
2: is we you know we want to know god rightly right mm-hmm. we we want to give him honor because honor to him is due and to do that we we want to to confess and, and recognize and pray to him according to who he is right mm-hmm. it would be unloving for me to uh, you know, treat my wife as though I didn't know her, right? To say, you know, I think I said this in another episode. If I told you Cindy's, you know, six foot two, she's really athletic, she's vibrant, outgoing, extrovert, she's life of the party, that would be a straight lie. If I were to love her that way, she would not, she would not feel loved. I should be like, you don't even know me, right? Because she's five foot four. She has, uh, she. she uh, She's an introvert, right? She, mm-hmm. she hates attention, right? And so to honor her is to, is to, to, to treat her according to who she is. Mm-hmm. And to honor God is to treat him, to talk to him, to confess him, to testify to him uh, in, in ways that it accord with our knowledge of him. So when we pray things like, Father, I thank you for dying on the cross. That's, that's, that's modalism. That's modalism.
0: Mm-hmm. That's okay. what I was talking
1: about. Great example. Okay. Yeah.
0: Great. All right. So, we've talked about some misconceptions of Christ. So, let's let's focus on to what Christ does and did. So, what is the work of Christ? Yeah.
2: Yeah, because of who Christ is, it qualified him to do what Christ did. So, you know, we, we talk about he, he creates or he created, he saves, he intercedes, and he will come again. Mm. So, you think about, you know, what, what John said in Colossians 1. Uh, That he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of of all creation. For by him all things were created, heaven and earth. Whether angels, dominions, rulers, or authorities, all things have been created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. We think about the Old Testament only God creates, right? No idol, Mm -hmm. no false God could create. I mean, just read Isaiah 40 through 48. But here, it attributes the act of creation to Jesus. Mm. So when we when we come to that pastor, we're like, Jesus must be God because only God can create. Right? And Paul knew that. So he creates, he saves. Right? Jesus can say, believe in me, and you'll have mm-hmm. eternal life. Um, you know, he, he intercedes. Right? Scripture tells us that what is he doing now? He's interceding for us. Isn't that
1: such a comfort? Can I read that? Yes. So here's Hebrews, and maybe I'll reference another thing, too this is Hebrews chapter 7, it says, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death. So, there's the importance, again, of the fully human, fully Mm -hmm. God, prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them
0: so you're saying that's happening right now
1: yeah it's just so amazing like we have in record in john you know as he prays for those who will believe and it's amazing because you have the exact words Uh there that he is praying for those who would believe and yet here we have the theological truth that he always lives to intercede for those who are his which is amazing what does that
0: mean to intercede
1: So this is incredible as he ascended to the Father, seats at the right hand of the Father, that there is one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. So his intercession, he's advocating, representing, caring for, speaking on our behalf as our great high priest, as the priest did in the past. So now our great high priest is doing for us now, which is from the great high priestly prayer. We have a little bit of language about as he's praying for those who would believe in him. Uh, so we have those words. Now we have this truth that He always lives. It's what He is doing forever on our behalf. Yeah,
2: isn't? I just think that's such a that's such a comfort for me, and you know, watermark member. This should be such a comfort for for our for our members because I think again. I think of my limitations and my failures, right? And you know, you, you can you can hear people say, Well, Jesus prayed, so you should pray like Jesus. And that's well meaning, but I just think, you know what, I I fail as a prayer. Mm. My my prayers aren't always effectual. You know what? Mm. Jesus as always are. Yeah. You know, I think about the story in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's with his disciples and he's like, Stay here and pray while I go. And Jesus is praying, right? And he comes back and he finds his disciples sleeping. They failed, right? And and what is Jesus praying? God, right? my Father, like, let this cup cap, pass from me, yet not my will but yours be done. Mm-hmm. Right? This is how Jesus taught his disciples mm-hmm. to pray in Matthew chapter 6. And in light of, in the face of, in the midst of his disciples' failure to pray, what is Jesus doing? He's praying for them mm-hmm. in their place. So I can, in my failure, I can trust that Jesus is the great succeeder and he yeah. and his prayers will be effective.
1: Yeah, Romans 8, we do not know how we ought to pray. Yeah. And yet God's not like, well, pfft figure it out. Yeah. He's like, I got you. Yeah. Like, I know you're wrestling with this. I'm I'm now interceding, mm-hmm. advocating on mm-hmm. your behalf.
0: Okay. So he creates, he created, he saved, yeah. he intercedes. What's the last thing?
1: The blessed hope. Yeah. He's coming again. Titus 2.13. It's the only time in all of scripture it's used, the blessed hope. There's a whole lot of hope in scripture. Uh-huh. It says the blessed hope is the glorious appearing of our savior, Jesus Christ, mm. that he is coming again. And you read about it all throughout Revelation. So, as he ascended, and it's important as we go back to Chalcedon that he didn't like leave his humanity, mm-hmm. but still fully man, fully God, ascends, seats at the right hand of the Father, and mm-hmm. is coming again okay. on the clouds to return
2: and establish. To right every wrong, to yeah. wipe every tear from our eye. There'll be no more pain, no more grief, no more cancer, no more divorce, no more sin come Lord Jesus.
0: Okay. So in light of Christ's work, the four things that he he did, he did and does, Mm -hmm. how should we respond to him?
1: Worship. I think it's, I think it's like, it just results in praise and worship. I think it results in surrender. Mm -hmm. I was reading last night, Pursuit of God and Tozer. And it's like, that it's just this, like, if you say you are who you are and you did what you have done, then all that results is just like, then then you are my God. I, am, I no longer have, I've surrendered to you all my rights, all my life, all of my being. You call the shots. I worship you and now live for you. Um, I think it's Galatians 2.20. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith for the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's like, oh my goodness. It's just this like devotion, worship, testifying to others like, Everyone has sin. All eight billion people walking this earth have sinned. They don't have a savior. Mm. And so he's now saved us and sent us. It's it's, it's so impactful okay. upon our life.
2: Yeah. Worship and witness, right? We wish we witness to our neighbors, we witness to the nations, because he's mm. the only one in whom salvation and hope is found.
0: Yeah. So he created, he saves, he intercedes, he's coming again, mm. and that should lead to worship and witness. Yes. Okay. Awesome. All right. I've got some quick hits. Let's do some it. Some quick questions. All right. Um,
1: I love these, by the way.
0: Yeah. They've We've done them the last couple of episodes, oh, yeah. so we should
1: do a whole episode on just just
0: quick hits, hits. just <laughs>
1: rapid fire, just
0: the questions nobody wants to ask. I'm willing to ask them. Do it. Is Christ his last name?
1: <laughs> so uh, that's so funny, and I think people think that like
0: uh, that's why I'm that's asking nice. the question.
1: Uh, Jesus is the Greek for Jesus. Okay. Christos means the anointed one of Messiah. He is the, the one who fulfilled all of the prophecies. So it's an appellation or a title pointing back to all the fulfillment. He is the anointed one, the one who was to come. So no, not a last name, but a fulfillment of. Jesus, mm-hmm. Jesus, Yeshua, he saves, yeah. and he is the one who was foretold, who has now come. Okay. That wasn't very quick, was it? It was quick. But It hit.
0: Okay, well, all right, moving on. Um, All right, where is Jesus right now at this very moment?
2: Yeah, Uh, trick question. Because scripture tells us that on one hand, pun intended, he's at God's right hand.
0: So many puns this episode. So many puns, right? Okay. But
2: we also know that God is spiritual, right? So he doesn't physically have a hand. So it's metaphorical language. What is okay. that? His right hand, That's that means strength, power, okay. right? A favored oh, position. Uh, but He's what is he doing? He's reigning and he's ruling. Yet on the other hand, Matthew 28 tells us, go and make disciples, right? By baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, by te- and teaching them all that commands you, knowing with the promise that I will be with you to the end of the age. Mm-hmm. So on one hand he's with us by his spirit. On the other hand, he's he's in a resurrected, glorified body sitting at the Father's right hand. I would say that's not a place you can put into your Google Maps. That's that's just to emphasize his lordship. Okay. Right? He is reigning and ruling, having completed his work as our great prophet, priest and king as we wait for his return.
0: So he is physically he physically exists somewhere. Yes. He also exists with us through his spirit.
1: Because being fully God, omnipresent.
2: Yeah. Isn't that crazy to think about that he is at the Father's right hand, he's in a forever united Mm -hmm. to a resurrected, glorified body. Read the post-resurrection accounts where he's like walking through walls or doors, but he's also Mm -hmm. eating fish. Mm -hmm. What's going on there? Mm -hmm. I don't know.
0: So when he returns, will we be able to physically touch him?
2: Yes. Yeah. And every eye will see him. Wow. The one whom they pierced, mm-hmm. and will worship him.
1: Right? And like that's a longing of my, I like long to mm-hmm. just like receive a hug yeah. from the resurrected yeah.
0: Jesus. Okay, finally, the people wanted to know: Is Christmas his real birthday?
2: Is Christmas his real birthday? Probably not. What? But that doesn't mean we can't party like it is. Okay. Right. So that's the day that that we we remember in a specific way. That the word became flesh, right? And so we get we give gifts to remind each other of the greatest gift mm-hmm. that was given mm-hmm. to us, God the Son, mm-hmm. for us and for our salvation.
0: Okay. All right. We've covered a lot. My head hurts a little, <laughs> but I also like have more awe and wonder for the person of Christ. Mm-hmm. It's so fun when you. I think the more you look, the more there is to learn. Yeah. So thank y'all so much for explaining it to thank me. Thank you, Steve. Awesome. All right, and thank y'all for joining us for this episode of the Watermark Equipping Podcast. We'll see you next time. Have a great week of worship.